0: Hello and welcome to the podcast of tech.eu. I am your host, André Degler. In our today's episode, we wanted to talk about the tech ecosystem in France. And for that, we assembled a small panel consisting of Kat Borlangan, the director at La French Tech, and Chris O'Brien, one of the few good tech journalists writing about French tech in the English language. On the TechEU side, we had Robin Wouters and our news editor, Dan Taylor. Listen until the end to hear Dan play in the guitar, as well as learn more about the actual French tech model, about the omnipresent BPI France, the height of the language barrier in the country, and so much more. Let's check it out together.
1: Hello, hello, this is Robin Wouters from Tech.U, and I'm joined here remotely, of course, for once not by one person, by three persons. Dan Taylor from our team, Kat Borlangans, from La French Tech Mission, and Chris O'Brien, a veteran journalist living and working in France. Guess what we're gonna talk about with that introduction? Yes, we are going to talk about the French tech revolution, uh, which is really, really, really picking up steam lately. And I really wanted to mark the occasion with a special podcast episode and ask some people in the know with inside knowledge about what they are experiencing in this incredible, exciting time for uh, La French Tech. Uh, Round of introductions, uh, as always, but uh, we're going to start uh, with the lady, of course. Ladies first, oh, Kat, wow. welcome.
2: Hi, well, um, enchanté, everyone. Kat Berlangen, I am the director of La French Tech. Do you no know longer that's it.
0: Yeah, that that's was it? The I Yeah,
2: could, I, could, I could go on about my hobbies now. Okay, maybe, maybe, maybe something that might actually be useful for your audience is like, what is La French Tech, um, which comes with the introduction. So La French Tech is the nickname for the French startup movement, um, which is backed by the French government. Um, we have a pretty simple goal because it was laid out by the president himself not too long ago. It's 25 unicorns by 2025, but not at the price of diversity, inclusion, the environment and territorial cohesion. So pretty thorough order over there. And um yeah so we're basically half government half um half community uh, my team sits inside government and uh to um accomplish these goals we have a specific arsenal we've got um, national programs like acceleration programs we have funds we have um quite a lot of marketing as well abroad uh, and uh, of course public policy and then you've got the 121 French tech communities all around the world that have the arsenal that comes with communities. So a lot of, um, you know, a lot of events, a lot of content, and a lot of really just helping each other out and giving back.
1: Oh, well, I like that you used the word arsenal. Uh, I was going to say Swiss, <laughs> Swiss Army knife, but that sounds we small. <laughs> too small. About too small. <laughs> uh, Chris, your turn.
3: Yeah, by veteran journalist you mean old, but thank you for the veteran. Uh, <laughs> the veteran euphemism. I'm trying to be nice. Uh, I, so I'm an American journalist based in France now almost 7 years which is shocking to me but it's been a great adventure and uh, work for at the moment for VentureBeat as European correspondent and also have a project called the French Tech Journal and twice a week newsletter and podcast. We started that in late December, early January. And I think that's the real reason behind the explosion of what we've seen in the
1: the French tech scene. (laughs) Thank you for driving it, Chris. We really
3: appreciate it. I'm still waiting for my check, but, you know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You you left out the fact that you spent so much time on Clubhouse that it's basically yours now. It's your company.
3: Yeah, you know, well, you know, with Clubhouse, we saw like everyone, like it went crazy for a couple of months. And now it's like, you know, so it's. Oh, so you're no longer on there? Well, we we still do it. Uh we're doing once a week, but you know, we saw like a big surge in an audience. We had like I, I would say the peak was we had uh, the digital minister Sidric o on for a great session and we had forget the exact number, but we had, you know, uh, like, uh, several hundred people on the in in the audience. You know, we had numbers like that for a while and then it just kind of regardless of the guest, it just kind of trickled down and I think people have been saying the same regardless of subject. I mean, there's clearly some big clubhouses there, but I'm in the mode of, I think it may have had a moment. It it may come back, but who knows? Dan,
1: I'm going to give you a chance to introduce yourself as well, because why not?
4: Well, all right, all right, all right. This is Dan Taylor. I am the man. I have uh, been cranking out stories like a beast this week. The time of recording, it's Friday the 11th, and I'm currently clocking in at 41 articles. I hope to push out one more because, well, let's be honest, 42 it's the answer to everything.
1: Yes. And we're also very, very proud of you. You're very special to us. You're a very special <laughs>
2: person. I have to mute myself all the time because otherwise I'll be like laughing throughout like this whole <laughs> podcast. Well,
1: I was just <laughs> going to say that sort of the goal to have this, not like your typical interview Q&A, but we're going to have a bit of freewheeling conversation like we were sitting at a bar, which by the way, since yesterday in Belgium, we can actually do again. And I have taken advantage <laughs> of that that loosening uh, restrict, of the restrictions quite radically, uh, I would say. But yeah, <laughs> life seems to be restarting. Uh, so, okay, back to French tech. Uh, we started you about eight years ago, almost, uh, when we started covering Europe as a whole, in English, of course. France was one of these countries. They had, I think at the time, a English language blog, Root Baguette. And other than that, all the coverage was sort of in French, but coming from the traditional media companies. There weren't really any specific... Blogs about the startup scene. Uh, And I remember thinking like for that, for one of the biggest economies in in Europe, there seems to be a lot happening. Why is there not more activity around it? So we started covering sort of the beat as well. But then we quickly noticed that it wasn't really all that active as as we imagined uh, eight years ago. And of course, that has picked up tremendously, especially in the last four or five years. But even back then, and this is sort of complimenting myself, but even back then, you could already tell that there was sort of a foundation being laid for companies to start scaling up in France. And I think a lot of people give credit to Macron and sort the government initiatives, but the reality is this was sort of already, I think, uh, set in motion. It was just uh, sort of an acceleration of, of something that was already happening, not just in France, but across Europe. But really, really, uh, not rewarding, but really interesting to see that that what we sort of imagined would happen, that the European tax scene was gonna explode and uh, all the funding was gonna come in, uh, really did happen uh, in Europe. And especially in France. I'm going to pull out some, some data later, but, uh, but I, I'd love to know from you, like well, whatever I just said, does that sound like complete BS to you? Or was that sort of in line with what you're <laughs> like, on the-
2: Which part? The part where you had like a crystal ball and persisted per- yes. absolutely everything? Uh, pretty much everything. all of it sounds like BS <laughs> probably, <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. I predicted it. I steered it. It's I mean, all, it's all thanks to you. That's
2: like a really great time. Yeah, but that's a really great sign because, you know, like, I don't feel like everybody, you know, eight years ago was saying, hey, we would totally bet on France. So we think France is going to be like the next big, um, you know, the next big European capital. No one was saying that. People were piecing out, you know, skedaddling off to, uh, you know, to the West Coast or the East Coast of the U.S., thinking that there was no hope whatsoever in France. They were just a bunch of like, I don't know, like a bunch of sort of like anti-innovation bureaucrats would never understand entrepreneurship. Government was like meddling in things they didn't understand. Um, and you know that explains why you have this incredible uh, diaspora. Actually, of French-founded American unicorns, uh, you know, Snowflake, Datadog, this company called Eventbrite. Um, you know, you know. Thank you, Robin, for uh, for your uh, for your faith in the ecosystem at a time where it was still kind of unpopular.
1: Well, it's sort of also a reaction to people always saying the same old things like, oh, the labor law sucks, the taxes, it's really not entrepreneur friendly. And I'm like, well, not everything is that bad. And so it's sort of a reaction to always getting the cliches. So you sort of want to explore, like, what is it really like? You know. But Dan and Chris happen to be Americans coming into Europe at some point. So I'd love to know from you, even before you came to Europe or let alone France, what was your impression of? the European tech ecosystem and France in particular. Dan, maybe you go first. Oh,
4: geez. Uh, My impression was that the European tech ecosystem was a place where great companies were built and then the Americans came in and bought them. Which is still... Point blank. (laughs) Which is still sort of happening. (laughs) Yeah. Chris, what do you think?
3: Well, I I came here... 2014 for family reasons, but you know the the French, I was in Silicon Valley for 15 years before that, and the French people that I knew uh, when I told them I was moving to France thought uh, I was out of my mind. Basically, you know, they were all in San Francisco. Like we we got the hell out of there. Like we're you know that's a wasteland. You can't build a company. It's not entrepreneurial. Blah blah blah. And so I was you know prepared for for that sort of that. I mean, that was my initial impression, like what I was hearing from people over there. It was already really changing. Uh, I think, you know, La French Tech had been founded, I I want to say the year before I came. So that was already starting to make more of a concerted image around what was happening. But, but Robin, I do think you're right. Like you can look back now, some of these companies that have been doing these big fundraisings, and I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about that more in a bit. But You know, you look at when they were founded, you know, they were founded uh, Believe, which went public yesterday. You know, they were founded in 2006. Uh, Miracle, I think, uh, which had a big round last year, was founded, I want to say 2012. You know, these companies have been there. They were there before I got there. Uh, They were starting to grow. But France really wasn't getting any credit internationally for what was already happening. And so that was part of the initial challenge is just putting up a hand and say, look, look at what's actually happening on the ground. Look what's already starting to to build up. And then that has expanded since then. But uh, it was a process initially the first few years I was here to really change the world's view of what what it was like.
1: One one quick observation, because uh, it made me think of uh, LeWeb back in the day, because I started going to LeWeb to think, 2006, 2007.
2: you got to stop saying sentences like back in the day, Robin. It, like, back in change. the day. <laughs> yeah, well,
1: well, I'm turning into a veteran journalist as well. Veteran, um, but But uh, the reality is you, you would sort of... You know, coming from Belgium, you'd go to Paris to this conference, which is about tech and innovation. But it was Loic basically inviting his Silicon Valley friends to fly from Silicon Valley to France and talk about Silicon Valley and then fly back to Silicon Valley. And they were really really, really profiling the the companies that were already around in France. Well, they did, but like the big tech companies and... uh, uh, but not the, it. It wasn't never about French startups uh, ever, uh, which which I found really really strange at the time as well.
4: Yeah, I, I find that interesting as well. But but you know what? Credit where credit is due. I mean, Loic really, in my mind, kicked off this whole series of European tech events. I mean, before Le Web, Crickets. Right. I mean, there there were events happening, but there was nothing happening on a major, massive scale. I mean, if you want to trace the lineage, you can go all the way up to VivaTech, which is going to happen, what, maybe a day or two next before week. Or, or next week. Right. What like mm-hmm. a day after we air this podcast, you know, if if you look at the lineage of the web, I mean, I, I've, I've spoken to, uh, you know, Ben Costantini, who was who was programming it. And uh, we've talked a lot about about the fact that, you know, it was uh, I mean, Loic always did LeWeb web right before Christmas. And let's be honest, it's a beautiful time to be in Paris right before Christmas. So yeah, he'd call all his friends over from the valley. They'd come over, they'd talk about tech, they'd ignite the system, they'd get people fired up, and then all those guys would go skiing for a week and bring their families and spend Paris in, uh, Christmas in Paris. So I, you know, I, I think that LeWeb did a great service to the European ecosystem, even if they weren't talking specifically about French tech, he did bring a lot of uh, money and a lot of people to to France. And hey, come on. I mean, we all know the story. Uber, enough said, drops Mike.
1: Yeah, no, uh, that's absolutely true. I wasn't slamming it for that reason, but uh, absolutely was a catalyst.
4: Yeah. <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I, I have a question.
1: Kat or Chris, whoever wants to take this, I think it's probably more
4: for Kat. Cat, every time I see an announcement coming out of France, I mean, I literally have a text file, so I don't even have to write the word anymore. It's copy-paste. BPI France. They are everywhere. For those of us who don't know me, what the hell is BPI France and why are they everywhere?
2: Well, BPI France is the French government's public investment arm. Um, if you're going to invest $1.3 in the startup ecosystem every year as the government, you know, you got to do it through uh, someone who knows how to get it done in BPI France. Well, you know, there are people.
4: And they are the people. All right.
1: Fair yeah. enough. Well, that answers my question. I'm done. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> and, and to their credit, BPI France has become one of the most prolific investors in your uh, period because they right. invest across stages. They're really, really experienced fund managers who, you know, take risks, even though it's uh, it's public money. You know, credit uh, where credit is due as well.
3: Well, yeah. just to follow up on what Kat was saying, you know, it's very specific with BPI. You know, the, the government was faced with uh, the challenge several years ago. I mean, there wasn't a great VC community. We could talk about the startups, but, you know, the, the money was not really there. And so you had a choice. I mean, do you wait for that to evolve naturally, organically? I mean, that could take decades. You just don't know when it's going to happen. Or do you inject money into the system? And, you know, I think people miss this about Silicon Valley in California and, and the U.S., but that money, a lot of that money that's, that goes into VC firms comes from, you know, public funds. It comes from state pension funds, teacher pension funds. I mean, these are quasi-public agencies that invest in venture firms, you know, they have trillions of dollars. And so to my mind, BPI is always kind of uh, trying to strike that middle ground, you know, having that money coming into the system and being that public agency, you know, people in Silicon Valley will will pretend that it's all just uh, market-based, you know, whatever freewheeling uh, money coming into it. But the reality is they're they're heavily state financed.
2: Yeah, let's talk about that, right? Because I think that you know what we're talking about really here is what is the French model? Because it's true, like we're talking about France's trajectory, and France's trajectory has been nothing like you know the trajectory of a lot of different ecosystems. And BPI France, as I said, is like the public investment arm, but all of these decisions actually on what to invest, how are we going to go in. Um, you know, reimbursable debt, convertible notes, uh, subsidies, uh, fund of funds, those things are actually, you know, decided at the level of both the Elysee and the Ministry of Economy. So this is actually something that's pretty core to France's uh, overall strategy. And And, you know, I think it's something that's really interesting about having this conversation now is not just like, if we were going to anchor this in time is not just thinking about what people were saying about French check eight years ago, except for Robin, of course, but also to say what they were saying, like just two years ago, like right before the crisis, Um, you know, everyone was saying that, you know, the French model is crazy. There's like too many, there's there's, like state is way too involved. That's going to create inflation. Startups are going to fizzle out. They're not going to be able to withstand the crisis because they're not as resilient. And actually we've proved that, the total contrary. Um, we've we've proved that you know, France, like France is one of the only uh, major tech ecosystems last year that actually grew um, during the crisis. The next time someone comes up to me and complains that, like, hey, in France, you can't fire people. I'm like, yes. And thank God, you know, that was a tough crisis, man. Like, thank God, like, you know, thank God <laughs> we were able to we were able to, you know, we were able to support, um, all, you know, all of these really great tech workers and keep our talent and, you know, making make sure that they got like the best furlough schemes and were able to keep our companies afloat during trying time. So I think there's like a bit of, you know, I'd, I'd say like a. Uh, a different paradigm that that becomes like credible to the point that you know all, a lot of other governments are wondering like, hey, like, you know, is this a credible way forward if we want to engineer something similar in our own respective tech ecosystems?
1: Yeah. Kat, I want to stay with you for a second because I think we left out the part in the beginning where none of us are actually from France or born in France. So you're also, <laughs> also sort of I was that's almost going to say a tourist, but I mean, you also came in at a point where you had to learn from scratch, like what, what the scene was and what the ecosystem was like. So what was your, what were your first experiences and observations when you landed?
2: I oh, mean, I moved to France when I was 20 years old. So, um, for the record, so I know last that... year then, <laughs> of course, of course, okay. yeah, there's just, well, I have no idea what you're talking about when you're talking about the web, like
1: that's for old people. <laughs> oh, veteran
2: people, <laughs> <laughs> Wow.
1: We, we agreed on euphemisms here. I think we're done here, Robin. I think we're done.
2: <laughs> no, I mean I moved I moved to France when I was 20. Um so totally different. I moved here, I didn't speak a word of French. Definitely, you know, and, and I think some of my impressions about the French tech, which um you know, which we're kind of disproving here is that the French tech is super French and 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 you know that has been true and i think you know in fairness that's one of the current weaknesses of the ecosystem that we're not quite as international just yet right as say i don't know berlin amsterdam or or london um and so i i used to think that it would be very closed and you know i would you know you're always like kind of like the awkward person out who's got an accent when everyone's like you know hanging around making their weird uh, you know french jokes that you know nobody else laughs at <laughs> <laughs> Hey, hey, that's a real thing. Okay. French jokes are really hard. They're like, you know, like British, you know, like British humor that's kind of flat? It's like that times two in France. They have this thing called deuxième degré, right? Biggest challenges, Chris, you gotta back me up in this one. Deuxième degré. It's like a joke that everyone understands is a joke, but no one says just kidding.
3: Yeah. You right. Know? And, they, <laughs> and they don't, the answer, and wow. they don't <laughs> necessarily laugh. So then you're just like.
2: No one laughs, but it's funny, and but everyone's laughing funny. inside. No
3: one laughing,
1: at yeah. <laughs> 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 laughing inside, okay. I like
2: that. Yeah, Yet, I mean, that was definitely my first impression was that was too French, and you know, maybe I would I would never fit in here. And then, you know, like fast forward a uh, few years later, and I am now a French government official, you know, speaking on behalf of uh, you know of of the French government and the French tech ecosystem, and no one for even like a split second thought that was weird.
4: But Kat, yeah. do you laugh inside?
2: I do, yeah.
4: Well, you are, you are in, baby. That's cool. I know.
2: That's it. That's it. That's like and glory. Like when you can watch comedy and laugh inside and find it really, like French comedy, find it really funny. You've made it. You are French.
1: Nice, Chris. Are you there yet?
3: No, <laughs> I am, I'm far <laughs> from there. That, that's the problem. I came. See, I I came when I was like 86 years old. So you know, learning French is like, you know, uh, I but mean, brain cool was still enough. Yeah, trying. I
1: think, honestly, I've heard you speak French. You you speak it wonderfully, uh, uh, really honest to God. Um, But also, like, I wonder why you felt the need to have to learn French. Was it a personal choice or was it because the ecosystem was still French speaking enough to have to learn to sort of understand it?
2: Well, first of all, Robin, it is obviously the language of love. So there are a lot of perks that come with, you know, being able to speak French. <laughs> no, but I mean, I don't know, like, don't you just do that anywhere you go? I think there's some people have different kind of like MOs for when they move into a space, like either they want to exist in kind of like an expat bubble and be kind of cool with, be with all the cool international kids, or they also want to be part of the ecosystem that they're in and be able to talk to people who aren't necessarily in tech, right? So there's a there's definitely a bit of that. is true see, that... I see yeah. Dan
1: raising his hand, which is always dangerous. But.
4: Well, first of all, we know that eighty percent of the time it works every time, and second of all, Kat, you, you mentioned earlier about uh, international hubs—London, Amsterdam, Berlin. Okay, so maybe we'll leave Berlin on the sideline here. But one thing I do want to know is what is La French Tech doing to promote? And Chris, I'm, I'm sure you'll you'll jump on this one as well. English language skills. Where I'm coming from that is when I get a press release from Bla Bla Car, oh my God, it's written in perfect English. I love it. When I get a press release for a raise less than, let's say, 20 million, I guarantee it's going to be in French and Google Translate can only take me so far. Where do you think the language barrier or lack of language barrier, I don't know, factors into France being an international player?
2: For sure. So, like, question is, like, what is my number one move to make France more, um, speak more English? Immigration. Really. I mean, at the end of the day, it's about how internationally your tech ecosystem is. People will move towards English also when there are English speakers. And, you know, while other, other countries will sort of like gently encourage, um, you know, their companies to speak English right away. I think we've just made the biggest, boldest move as possible, which is that kind of like take out every single possible barrier, uh, for uh, tech immigration. Um, we have the most open tech visa still currently, right? We still have that title, the most open uh, tech visa in the world. And honestly, like, you know, that I feel like that's what's really changing um, French tech from a language perspective, right? It's the fact that people no longer think of English as just like this skill that you have to use to translate your press release when you launch it, but really like the language that you use when you want to I don't know, hang out with, I don't know, like John from HR and, uh, or talk to, you know, um, you know, talk to VC in Sweden or things like that, or just, you know, and, and I think it's, I think it's about that first. It's about, it's about changing the culture um, and making it really international and English will follow.
3: Chris. Well, yeah, you know, that was part of the, the point of launching the French tech. uh, journal project was, you know, the media here has, uh, the French language media has evolved quite a bit in terms of the sophistication of their coverage, but it is all in French. And so, you know, people in outside of France are just not going to read Lasseco or Mattiness. excellent, you know, journalists, excellent work that they're doing. But so, you know, a company like Ledger, for instance, which, which is big in crypto and raised a huge round yesterday, Yay. They're in a market, they're getting, they're going to get international coverage, all the crypto, Bitcoin, you know, CoinDesk, they're, they're going to cover that because they're a big player. Uh, and they're, as Kat suggested, they are really a global thinking company. You know, they're English first, they're, uh, you know, they're in Paris, but they're, they're global in their mindset. So therefore they're English in their mindset. Uh, But, you know, I do still. So I think that's changed a lot since I got here. I mean, when I came again, I felt like, yeah, I I needed to learn French because I was if I was going to really integrate not just in the tech scene, but in France, I wanted to speak the language and it's far from perfect. But, you know, just for the reason that Kat cited, like if I want to understand that stuff, I'm never going to get it uh, just by having someone constantly translate it for me into English. But You know, beyond that, yeah, I've seen stuff like uh, with the bureaucracy, you know, they're a little bit more flexible sometimes now with English language stuff, um, a bit more accommodating in terms of trying to help me muddle through those things. Um, And certainly, you know, the tech community, I think it's been a a big shift in that sense. I mean, uh, they're either trying to get Anglophones who can help them with content marketing or translating the material. Again, when I got here, it was pretty clear some of those press releases you're talking about, Dan it was pretty clear people putting them in Google translate and just hitting the send key. (laughs) Having, 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 having having done that in the other direction, I know that gets about 75% maybe on good days. Uh, But you know, it's, you know where it came from. So um, I I think they're investing a lot more in that places like station F, you know, are very English language focused. So uh, it's changed, but at the same time, there's still some resistance. Like when, again, when we, did that clubhouse with Cedric O a couple of months ago, you know, we, Ethan, who's my partner on that, we definitely got tweets from people angry. Like, why aren't you doing this in French? You should be speaking in French. And, you know, Cedric O's English is, is, is great. You know, he was totally comfortable doing it and, you know, it was a great session, but there was still some of that where, where, you know, and it's not even just, uh, how would I put this delicately? It wasn't even certain cultural elements, let's say, who were responding to that. There were definitely some tech people like he's the digital minister for France. He should be speaking in French. But I think that's a minority. I think that's, you know. I'm going to do
1: my back in the day thing, but I went to, oh God, I went we to, go. We, should
2: have, we should have like special sound effects for that, <laughs> so relevant. You, know, you know, that sound where you're like about to go into a flashback, <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> Twilight, Twilight Zone. Uh,
1: but I went to a Le Web event. I don't remember the year, but uh, the then week. president, what was his name? The then president, he just was uh, convicted Mitter- for fraud. No, come on. I forget, I forget his name. I mean, if you're going back was in married the day, to Carla Bruni. De Gaulle, Sarkozy. 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 So, Sarkozy got on stage, spoke French, and the audience booed. And I remember that vividly because because I was like, this is like an international audience. They were like, well, what is this guy speaking French? They're sort of not realizing they're in France because it's an international setting. <laughs>
2: yeah, so, but that was
1: the opposite of that. It's a sort of strange how things have changed in a good well, way. You know what? I cat or Chris Chris. Chris just mentioned
4: Station F. Uh, that's the one thing I will be saying in you can French call it today. Station, say,
2: station F <laughs> station no, F nobody says that in France it either. It sounds so je, terribly chic. Je, je parle <laughs> un
4: petit peu de Francais, and that's mm-hmm. the only other thing I'm gonna say in French. We've mentioned the rude raguette. I do want to give a shout out to Liam and Trista, who I think did do a, a big service to France. And also Roxanne, because in my opinion, as an outsider, I mean, the minute Station F there, how's that? Station F came on the scene. All of a sudden, it seemed like France had a home base. You know, it was it was not a scattered thing. It was like a you want to you want to talk to French tech? Yeah. Go see Roxanne. Go see Station F. And do that initiative, that uh, I think, really helped kick things off. And Kat, I know you're going to disagree with me. Please do. No.
2: Well, no, no. I think what was Damn really it. beautiful about Station F controversy. Is, is that everyone was talking about it before the doors opened. Right? I mean, did you guys ever do the tour, like when you were in France doing the construction site? You of did, right? Course. Was,
1: I have the pictures. Yeah, yeah with, with the, like, the little on. cute
2: construction hats yeah, and, yeah. and and I think what was you know what Station F really did is is you know they they gave they like embodied the dream. They're like they were before they even opened their doors. Before any startup moved in, they were saying. France can be this. We are going to build this, you know, this massive, um, you know, like startup campus, the biggest in Europe, you know, same length as the Eiffel Tower. They're going to have a thousand startups in there and, you know, and it's going to happen. Um, and, you know, I remember a lot of people that kind of were like, do we, do we have a thousand startups? <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> you know?
2: <laughs> and um, and, and Wait, I think we should that's get some I think quick. That, <laughs> and I think that was really like the, that's what Station F did. More than more than just like the uh, more than just the uh, the walls and the office phase, I think it really was like a, a a love letter to what the French tech ecosystem was becoming and what could it become.
1: That's absolutely a good observation and also in line with what I was thinking. Uh, but station F, um, so a question: uh, wh- Who was the biggest catalyst for the French tech ecosystem? Was it President Macron or was it Xavier Niel? Politics I mean, or money?
2: I don't think that's entirely true. Xavier Niel. I mean. We all, like I think Xavier did a, a lot of stuff, but don't forget, right? French tech is not Paris. It's not just Paris. Um, you have uh, you have Toulouse, right? Chris? for example. <laughs> Represent, right? You have you, yes. know, you like Toulouse, Bordeaux, saint Lille, um, and and I think that you know part of the French model is making sure that any entrepreneur, you know, regardless of their background or where they're from or where they are, can actually you know launch a company. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of that uh, came from, yeah, came from the vision of, uh, of President Macron, because it's true, like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, like, dissing private sector stuff, right? Private sector stuff is great, like, and, 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 and you know, it's, it's really front and center when it comes to a startup ecosystem. But if you want to build an ecosystem that is inclusive, um, that has everybody on board, that makes a special effort to reach out to people who don't necessarily have the kind of profiles that investors uh, naturally go for when they're raising their first rounds, then for that, you really need... You know, sort of like the vision and the backing of government.
3: Chris, same question. Uh, I'll, I'll yeah. give a diplomatic answer, but uh, you know, to me it's been evolutionary, really. Uh, and it's both the it's it's that mix of public and private. Like if you look at um, I don't have the latest numbers in front of me, but for a long time, you know, if you looked at the two most active, like seed early, early seed stage investors, it was BPI and it was Xavier Nels Fund, right? I mean, we're talking about Section yeah. F, which is which is uh visible physical sign of that. But really, they were really both uh, pumping tremendous number of bets onto a lot of small companies at a time when that would have been otherwise hard for them to do because France didn't have a really substantial uh, business angel network. You know, going back six or seven years ago, uh, people weren't, you know, individuals were, you know, if you wanted to invest your money, you bought property. You know, you didn't go invest in some couple of kids' you know, just out of uh, uh, Sciences Po, you know, to start some company in their dorm room or something. Uh, so that's that's changed a lot. But, you know, at the time, both. So both of them were important and they were, you know, depending on the year, neck and neck in terms of who was really uh, making the most bets on those early, early stage companies. So that sort of fertilized a lot of the stuff that we've seen. Um, and, you know, then then, uh, you know, I think in a million years, I'll probably never get any political credit for it. But, you know, uh, Macron was uh, economic minister under Hollande, but Hollande still did at some point, you know, whether he passively or proactively encouraged Flore Peleron to start La French Tech Mission, you know, it did happen during his administration.
1: Chris has had uh, trouble with his French uh, internet provider, which is also,
2: <laughs> also
1: which a a whole other topic French
4: we could talk about.
2: I mean, it's Quite. the same same topic. We're still talking about Zed and right?
1: <laughs> okay, yeah, right.
2: <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Heyo. No, but um, maybe maybe to, to build a little bit on on what Chris is saying is like it's true. Like private sector, you bet on companies, right? Like what you say, making bets on companies? But what La French Tech was when it first started was to bet on entrepreneurship, tech entrepreneurship, which is a totally different approach. So, for example, one of the very first products um, that we launched uh, as French Tech. Is, uh, is this thing called la, la bourse French tech, right? So French tech bursary, which is essentially like 30K um, that we give out as, as um, you know, as um, reimbursable, um, anyway, reimbursable cash and things like that for pretty much anyone who wants to launch a company and has shown like, you know, actual promise of being able to do so. It's like the very first check. Uh, that a lot of french uh, entrepreneurs have and that's one of the very th- first things that we launched another another um, of the very first uh, um, you know sort of like products that we launched is this uh, fund called french tech acceleration it was 100 million euros when it first kicked off and we used it to invest in incubators accelerators and startup studios all across the country um, as lps so that you know we we would you know we would be sure that you know there is an actual place for entrepreneurs to go especially uh, back in the time so like i said the approach is, is slightly different like in the very in the, in the early days, as you like to say, um, a lot of it was about shifting culture towards tech entrepreneurship. Um, whereas today it's true. It's a lot more about like making big bets um, on, you know, who's going to, who's going to make it and who's going to take us forward. Who's going to be the next, you know, European tech champion, for example, from France.
1: Yeah. Chris, we lost you there for a second. Welcome back. Yes.
3: Hello from SFR. Everything okay? Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So you mentioned numbers, Chris, which reminded me of the fact that I did actually pull some numbers uh, for this uh, occasion. Uh, I looked up the, just the funding that went into French tech companies uh, this year, uh, so far, even not counting this week, because of course there was letter and all that. And I remember Oxane tweeted yesterday, uh, Roxanne Vaza uh, tweeted yesterday, like, it seems like there's a new unicorn in France every week now. Is it just me? Uh, it's not just her. I looked it up. So there's a total of uh, more than three billion euros already flowing to to French tech companies in 2021 so far, and that's not including the ones from this week. So I think we're already at 3.5 or more. That is insane. Like the pace of it, but also the 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 difference between two, three years ago and today. When it was sort of already building, but now it's really, really. And and I know Chris, you've mentioned this a few times on Twitter. Like French tech is really exploding. Look at this round. And I always sort of counter. I say like, well, yes, but it's also happening across Europe. It's not. Just, like, it's also in the UK and in Germany. But for sure, France is not staying behind. That's uh, that's absolutely for sure. So what what are your your observations when you look at that? Do you do, do, does it surprise you anymore, Chris? Maybe from you first.
3: Yeah, the pace of it is what's surprising. I mean, you know, when you have a couple of them, you think, "Oh, wow, well, that's kind of amazing." But you know, the drumbeat—like it's just continuous. Like I can't even keep up on a weekly basis with all these things. Uh, you know, so that's that's one. I mean, so that's the good news is that you know these companies are at a level of maturity and uh, they're they're doing things that are uh, attracting global investors. These—it's it's, to me—it's not just the money, but it's that. It's the kind of money coming in, you know, a lot of it is being driven by private equity. I mean, I don't know that we want to go into the weeds and all that, but those those are very different investors and venture capitalists and basically they're just looking at a company and saying, "Can this company be a global champion?" Yeah, I don't care if it's in France or Germany or Sweden or Silicon Valley. If I'm going to bet on this company and write this enormous check, I want to know they're going to be a global champion. And so that's not 100% of these nine-figure fundings but it's it's the bulk of them. And so those investors are saying, yeah, these companies can be that. They can be these really big uh winners. And so, you know, what Kat was saying earlier, they're not worried about the stuff like oh, what about the hiring in France or the paperwork or the language? they don't they don't care about that. That stuff is not part of the equation anymore. They're just looking at what these companies are doing and saying yeah, let's make a big bet on them. So uh, I think that says a lot to me about where the ecosystem is. And it's, again, it's not just one or two companies here and there. Like at this point, it's what cat, it's been like nine or 10 of these rounds just in the past couple of months. I mean, it's more than I can keep track of.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. We need to start finding different angles for like news articles now, (laughs) if you have to do, oh, a new unicorn.
1: I'll name just a few just for context for the audience. There's Content Square, Back Market, Alan, Vestiaire Collective, uh, Ornicar, Blah, Car, BlaBlaCar, Ledger, of course, this week. Um, you know, a bunch of companies also from across different industries and, and, and categories, which I think is also interesting that it's not like one thing, like FinTech in the UK was sort of blowing up and you could really pinpoint to them being, it's really sort of across the board when it comes to the type of companies that are getting funded as well.
2: Yeah, and I think it's worth really like. I mean, Content Square is also really interesting because we're talking about like a five hundred, you know, million, uh, you know, raise for what was the valuation? Was it like over uh, almost? Th- was it three billion almost? Chris, like, yeah. you remember the exact amount? Yeah, and and that's like that's not just like hey, we have a lot of unicorns, but also hey, our unicorns are in a totally different league now, right? We're not like talking about companies with like a 1.1 uh, uh, billion valuation and you know they're they're really uh, they're really moving up and they're moving up pretty quickly.
4: I'm sorry to get that number straight that's 2.8 billion.
2: <laughs> Rounded it I up. Wrote, I wrote Thank the you article. Again. You're uh, welcome. <laughs> Thank goodness for like, journalism. <laughs>
1: guess it also depends if you use euros or dollars. Oh,
2: no,
4: it's, oh, shnankies. You're right. That's dollars. Maybe. So what is yeah. that in a year? Okay. Hang on. XC.com. And this is why I run yeah. the company, man. And this, is right. why, this, is why, this is why Robin is the boss. You see? <laughs> <laughs> Two, eight, 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 eight. Stand by while Dan calculates carry, the
3: currency conversion.
4: Carry the four... And that is uh, <laughs> at mid-market <laughs> at, at market rates. That's two point three billion euros. Mm. See, a lot. That's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot of money. It's worth a lot.
3: Levels yes. that would have been unimaginable just even like two or three years ago. Like if you the company raised yeah, that, yeah, I raising, would have been,
2: even just like even just raising like, the kind of money that you need
1: the valuation. And yeah, then, yeah to like a few months ago, crazy, crazy times. And as you mentioned, Chris, it's also the type of investors that are coming in, very international. They don't really care whether you're French or not. They look at the numbers, they look at the market. They look at the founding team and they go, yeah, uh, there's also a shitload of money in the market right now. So I don't think it, this is going to last forever. Um, but yeah, French Tech definitely serving the wave. What does it look like from within the La French Tech mission? You look at that like within your family of sort of government officials. Do you look at that? Do you go like, yes, <laughs> My family
2: we! of government officials. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you go like, see, we knew it was us. Or do you like uh, take a step back and just marvel at it?
2: You, you, yeah the funny thing about french check is like you know every time a company raises a big round i get a lot of people messaging me and saying congratulations it's like yes of course of course
1: that <laughs> right. cat always gets one percent of every funding <laughs> <laughs> she's on the Klarna so like, plan
2: <laughs> um you know, no so honestly what's it what it's been like um you know the government officials let me tell you what it's been like for my team you know we spent a chunk of 2020 putting out fires there was uh we were, we were like let's not forget guys we're just coming out in the middle of like a crazy crazy mm-hmm. Don't mess with the pandemic. Yeah, <laughs> no but like you know it, we can't have this conversation without uh, taking that into context and um you know so what it's been like for my team is like you know in march uh of of uh, 2020 france goes into lockdown there's genuine fear about what's going to happen to the French tech ecosystem. Will it make it, well, ev- you know, everything that we worked so hard for for the last few years, like, you know, government and ecosystems are all going to fall apart. And, you know, I, I remember like Cedric O took the mic the next day and immediately said, you know what, like, we continue to believe in tech entrepreneurship, um, you know, in sickness or in health till death do his part. So we're, we were, we put 4.3 billion on the table immediately um, as a, as a, a you know, as a support plan for, for the startups during that period. And my team were like, we're all like, you know, handling all of the government loans, like uh, figuring out like how to handle specific sectors, uh, transitions and things like that working. And then you go from that basically to like one year later and it's like a unicorn a week, you know? And and that's great. I mean, it's, 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 it feels great. And also because they're not just, you know, any unicorns, these are companies that, you know, we've been working with very closely in the context of the French Tech Next 40 program. Um, and, it, and it's also great to see that, you know, the companies that are making it are also companies that are not just global, not just really solid, but have made serious commitments. Um, also, when it comes to when it comes to impact, when it comes to uh, the environment and things like that. And, you know, we're, we're all very happy about that.
1: Mm-hmm. Chris you're enough of a veteran journalist to have a healthy degree of cynicism in you, I'm sure so tell us about the the non so positive things like what w- do you sometimes feel like it's it's a bit of a an excess or there's too much hype or there's not there's some co- not not the right companies getting funded like uh, what are some of the the non positive observations that you have from your
3: well I, I mean let's let's start with the funding stuff <laughs> I mean the funding stuff's great, right it's very exciting. It makes big headlines, but any, any good entrepreneur will tell you like the funding is just a step. It's not the real victory. You know, these companies are still in the process of actually becoming the thing that they want to be and being a global winner. So they, you know, there's still a lot of proving left to do. So I think you have to kind of keep your head about that. It's exciting. And so they have the, the, the assets, the, the, you know, the, um, the yes, they need to realize that now they have to go do it. So that's kind of, you know, one thing, Uh, you know, you you sort of alluded to this, uh, Robin, but you know, this investment is part of a global financing frenzy. I mean, private equity has changed the game around the world. I think- Tiger Global? Yeah, Tiger Global. um, Oh, ow, naughty word. You know, the the bar has been raised. uh, And the good news is France is getting a chunk of that money, I mean, five years ago, I don't know that it would have been a position to be to be getting its share of that. Uh, but, you know, if, again, you look at the numbers in Silicon Valley, they're crazy as well. Um, and, and then that kind of brings the, the next challenge, I think, uh, which is you have all that money. You've got to go out and hire people. You know, you've got to get the best global talent. Uh, you, you've got to figure out uh, in, in the case of some companies, that means they're trying to get all those people to come to France. And I know that's a big theme with with Kat and the French Tech Mission. Uh, you know, the ledger guys got to go out and hire, they got to double their staff this year, you know, so I think that's gotten better in terms of, you know, they seem to say they're not having any problems convincing people to move from Silicon Valley to to Paris. But, uh, you know, that's still a challenging ask uh, for a lot of people. They're, they're big in their field. So they're, they're, they're doing it. But uh, for a lot of these companies, like a content square or or someone like that, like they've got to prove that they can get the best. Um, And the other interesting thing, I mean, this is, I've started to hear this from a couple international investors. They've been worried about the, the seed funding uh, rounds now, because again, it's one of these problems that five years ago, you would have killed to have this problem, but there's so much interest in getting into these deals uh, that some of the international investors are actually getting frustrated by the valuation saying, we don't understand how people are making this work it seems too much for us. We really would love to be in France, but it's gotten a little bit too expensive. so I hear I hear mixed reactions I mean Kat may have more insight about whether there's a quote unquote seed bubble uh, in France at the moment, but again, we talked about those big rounds, but uh, you know someone I'm gonna forget the name of the company someone said uh, we just raised ten million euros for a seed round again, four or five years ago in France that was a serious unusual you know now it's like, oh hey, a hey. seed for hang on. Oh,
4: cat's cats coming in. Let them go.
2: Are you talking about like a seed round, but that was launched by, you know, the founder of Spendesk or something like that? I mean, there's also that, right? Like the fact that you have, uh, you you have, uh, you actually have second time, third time, fourth time founders that are that are founding these companies, which explains also, I think, uh, a lot of the valuations considering the, the track record they have, whereas we didn't have that before. This is just our second generation yeah. of entrepreneurs, really. Uh, no, no, there's
3: there's real reasons that it's it's happening. And I haven't been able to get a real clear read about, you know, how much people feel. it. But again, I've heard from I think it was three international investors who I won't name, but they all sort of said the same thing, like we're looking at these deals. We really want to be in France it's, it's definitely, it's, it, I would just say this, it's be, those deals have become super competitive. And again, that's good news in a certain sense, right? Like five years ago, those people were begging for checks, you know, to get past that, that early seed round and they were getting seed funding of, or pre-seed fundings of like a hundred thousand, 200,000 K euros, you know? Um, so but you know, I think that stuff sort of sorts it out itself out eventually. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean,
1: and I always say, if investors are not complaining about the valuations being too high, you're not in a, a healthy market. Yeah, yeah, because that's what they will do when it's a mature market.
2: Although yeah. when it comes to seed, I gotta say France is, one of France's biggest challenge challenges is because um, we're talking about companies, but you know, France's core really for seed are going to be the deep tech companies. And, and that's where there's, there's still a lot of funding gaps. So, you know, I would, and, and, you know, it also has to do with the kind of investors that we're talking about, right? Like not very, not very many, many of them are, are well-versed in, uh, in, in these deep tech companies. But I really think that, you know, when it comes to seed and, you know, the next big companies, they're not going to be, they're not going to be social networks or an ad tech. They're going to be in health. You know, they're going to be in quantum. And those companies are coming out of France as well. And that's where we really need the investors to be.
4: then. Yeah. Well, I just you know talking of quantum. I mean, Pascal is making processors on the atomic level. That just blew my mind to read that. Like they're using freaking laser beams to make <laughs> processors which do qubits, and I just I don't get it. Oh my god! Wow, what is up with quantum in France? I mean, wow. And, and do you know? And another one. I, I jokingly said this to Robin, which he had a great response the other day. I, I had picked up on a little bit of a trend, a lot of space tech coming out of France. And I said to Robin, I was like, what's up with space in France? And he said, well, yes, France does have a lot of space as compared to Belgium. I mean, this, this is the stuff that I have to deal with. So, you know, you're right. I think I think a lot of it is deep tech. And all I can say is carry on, France, because I am very much looking forward to something other than fintech, or social networks, or,
1: yeah. or so, blah. But the interesting about this whole deep tech investment gap and interest in deep tech, that Europe has always been really, really good at like, science-driven innovations. They, they were just terrible at bringing it to market. Right, and now you sort of have the new generation that takes science, but doesn't necessarily come from 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 the science departments or the schools. They just take the science and run with it, right? So, so there's a whole new generation of deep tech, which I think Europe is doing the right thing and sort of. So emphasizing that we can't miss the boat this time around. We really, really have to, like, get in there and nitty gritty and make sure that everything gets commercialized and we take advantage of it. Because a lot of the deep tech innovations that were 20, 30 years ago in Europe made it into the phones and the and the servers and the hardware but nobody really talks about it because mm. it's, yeah. it's the American companies that ran with it. Right. So, well, you know, if we, only- anyway, one thing that I, because I know we only have 10 minutes left, so I really wanted to say uh, one thing because we could talk about investments all day long, but there, at some point, you also have to talk about exits. And I remember back in the day, <laughs> 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 you, know, you know, what people, people still bring this up. And I think for good reason, when daily motions acquisition to Yahoo, I think was blocked by the French government and then orange ended up acquiring them. They still have that reputation of France is a really tough country to sort of buy companies. Uh, they also forget that of course, in that time also Criteo went public and it was a catalyst for a lot of entrepreneurs um, in Paris after that and investors. Um, so there, there's that. But if you look at the numbers, and I did look at the numbers, uh, it's still relatively few and far between. There's many small acquisitions. There aren't a lot. There aren't a lot of IPO uh, candidates or SPAC talks like we have in, in Germany and the UK. Uh, of course, there's always exceptions talent. Uh, the French data company is acquiring a $2.4 billion deal. Uh, there was Volterra. Uh, Medium also bought Glo's. So sort of cool acquisitions. But all in all, not that many. Is that also a observation that you have made on your side, Kat? Give it first. Um,
2: well, this year we've had uh, you know acquisitions of. Uh, if I just look at like the companies on our you know our portfolio, quote unquote, meaning the top 120 companies of France which we follow um, you know uh, more closely, you've had Care um, and uh, and TalentSoft. and it's true we're not quite there yet. But you know what, like the real question for me isn't just about exit, it's about European exits, right? Because you, Dan, you were mentioning this earlier, like what's the point of like, you know, planting a garden for, for the US, you know? Um, and, and so I think the, the real challenge at the end of the day isn't just, hey, how do we make sure we prove ourselves and, you know, unicorns are so like 2020, we want, we want our exits now. The question is also how do we make sure that these exits continue to feed, you know, the overall growth um, and sovereignty really
3: of, uh, of Europe? Yeah, good point. Chris. Um, I would just give it the journalistic answer that the the question of of exits is getting more complicated because of some of those reasons you mentioned, like the SPAC thing, but also private equity. What what do we consider an exit? Like I just I wrote a, a piece a couple of weeks ago talking to the founder of a company called ibun First, which. May not be a, a super well-known name uh, for for regular French, folks. French Belgian, by the way. Yeah, French Belgian. Yeah, there's
2: debate. There's some debate on that, right? Like, are they Belgian or are they French? Like,
3: like <laughs> we'll just call them French. <laughs> like, like French fries, I guess. Ooh, <laughs> mm. freedom fries. So, you know they 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 announced they announced a funding round, right? Two hundred million euros, right? Big headlines, lots of, and it was kind of reported as a as a you know these guys raised two hundred million euros. In fact what they did was they created a company with a private equity firm, bought the other company, cashed out a pretty large number of the shareholders, the early investors to clean up their cap table, also put a little bit more money back into it. So, you know, is that an exit? Is it a funding event? It's a little of both. And so where do you if you're if you're making a table, if you're if you're keeping track of this stuff, how do you categorize that? It's and so it's it's true. If you go back and you look at some of these private equity deals, they're much more complicated in that sense. Sometimes a private equity, when you see that money going into it, really what they're doing is they might buy 80 or 90 percent of the shares they've effectively bought and exited the company. Uh, so you got to kind of look at the details. It's much more nuanced to talk about exits now than it was four or five years mm-hmm. ago. Um, and, and you know, is that good? There's good and bad things about that. I think the the one thing going back to something Kat would say is that at the moment, uh, and the CEO of Ledger um, mentioned this when we were talking yesterday. You know, one thing for that Europe is is behind on as such as a French thing is seeing more of those growth equity and private equity, those later stage funds, because a lot of that money is coming from the US and China at the moment for those those big checks. And so it would be great to see more of that money coming from Europe so that whether it's an investment or it's a, a kind of quasi exit, that they remain in European hands, I guess.
2: I think there's also a question which is why are exits important to France. And of course there are all of the issues on, you know, long-term economic growth and uh, and sovereignty and all of those things, but they're also important because we're super young um, ecosystem. We said this earlier. Like we keep talking about how young the French tech ecosystem is, and we need those exits to also re-inject um, resources back into back into the ecosystem. Whether that's you know exits for the VCs so they can continue investing, or or founders that will become angels or go on to launch their next bigger you know badder companies, or talent that is finally like battle tested, uh, you know executive talent that can go in and either launch other companies or join other companies. And you know for me like short term anyway that's that's like that's what we're talking about here and that's why the ecosystem really needs it not just you know not just to have kind of like new vanity metrics because we're so bored with unicorns um, and we need to move on to, to bigger to bigger fancier metrics Yeah.
3: well I'll just give an example of what what Kat just said Picnicorns. you know last year um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with miracle the the b2b marketplace uh, that's become pretty hot but they raised I, th- I want to say it was like 300 million cat uh in uh in the fall and that was around led by private equity you know they cashed out some of the early investors uh or cashed out a lot of shares from some of the early investors and some of those french investors basically made back their whole fund on that deal but you know it gets put in the investment column rather than the exit column but those firms uh, to what to to the point that cap was making you know they can go back as they raise more money and say look we've already made X 10 X or whatever they're aiming for on our funds, thanks to this deal, which was effectively an exit for them. As they go out and raise their next funds, you know, they have that in hand to show potential investors. So um, you, you see some of that happening. And, but again, these things are, they're, they're not cut and dry. It's not, you know, they went public. We can all understand what it means for an IPO or they were bought by Google. We all understand what that means. It's, you know, a a mixture of these things. And so, you know, I I think that stuff is happening, but you just have to sort of dig under the hood a little bit more to understand how it's happening, who's doing it. And, you know, again, to...
1: No, no, I was going to say, we're going to rely very heavily on you, Chris, to keep on like making sense of all these deal structures and reporting it back in English to us because it's a really good source of information for TechU as well. Um, we only have about two minutes left. I promised myself to keep it under an hour. Uh, we're, we're running this episode right before VivaTech. I assume you're all going to be all over that. Uh, but it's a shame that I can not actually make it to Paris physically, but it would have been really, really nice to see you in person. Uh, hopefully next occasion. See, uh, cat's giving me the thumbs down. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a bit too soon. It was like a month before I start traveling. It's just too a bit too soon. Uh, Dan is going to wave us off with a little song and dance. Apparently, is it a song about VivaTech? Well.
4: I wish I had a song about Viva Tech. All I was going to do was take us out. And all, and uh, I am uh, the timekeeper here. I'm keeping Robin to his word. So Kat, Chris, take us out. Where can we find you on the Twitters, on the LinkedIns, on the emails, uh, and most importantly, on TikTok? Kat, <laughs> Kat go.
2: I mean, at Cat Berlog on, on pretty much anything.
3: Including TikTok? Well, there we have it. <laughs> <them. laughs> Including TikTok. <laughs> She has a she has a secret hidden Chris. TikTok account like me. Hmm. Um, uh, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm exclusive! At, I'm at O'Brien on Twitter and FrenchTechJournal.com on the internets and uh, VentureBeat.com.
1: Thank you guys so much for joining. It was a really interesting conversation. Take it away, Dan.
4: Thank you very much, Paris. We love you. Good night. <laughs>
0: And this is it for our today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, follow us today wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if that place has a possibility to rate and review the show, please do that as well. Our audio engineer is run by SoundPulse. That is sound-pulse.com. Your questions, suggestions, and opinions are always very welcome. Send them to podcast at tech.eu. This was TechEU Podcast. I'm Andre Degler, and I will talk to you again very soon. For now, take care and enjoy your week. Bye-bye.